I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Hey folks, David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Wednesday, March 13, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. So we have 280.40 on the chart. That's the horizontal line. That's the magic number. It's not really the magic number until Friday. Friday's close, that's important. Before that happens, the market can go back down a little bit, can fill a gap or two, can stay above and continue to go. The market remains bullish. We are in an uptrend. We had that little sell-off last week, but look how quick the market recovered. We discussed a few days ago that by Tuesday afternoon, if we get a couple of up days, nobody will remember about the market being down last week. Nobody remembers about the market being down last week. Right now, we're at the same point we were when the market tried to bust through and could not do it. That was on March 4th. Now we're right back up to this price level. We'll see what happens from here. Under normal market conditions, under normal circumstances, let's discuss both sides of the market. So under normal conditions... The market's going to bust through. It's going to keep going. It has a destination. In my opinion, the destination is at minimum of the breakdown candle high. We'll call it 287 for argument's sake. I think there could be higher prices. We don't have to worry about that now. We have yet to close above the high for March 4th. That's paramount. That's the first thing that has to happen. They tried to get through today, made an attempt. That's a valiant attempt. And closed below. But that's normal garden variety market behavior. First attempt. They suck in some last minute Charlies. Drop the market back a little bit. They sell them. That's the way the market works back and forth. That's just intraday activity. Keep something else in mind. And we discuss this from time to time. In fact, we discuss this a lot. When the market has a difficult time getting through a price level. Whether it's on the support side or on the resistance side. One way that they do that is to gap above or gap below that price level. So, for example, if the market tries to get through this high from March 4th and it can't do it, let's say it makes a number of attempts and it can't do it, we end up going sideways back and forth a few days, the market can certainly gap above that price level and keep going. That's one possibility. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it's certainly a possibility. Also, let's keep something else in mind. And this may go to the bear case, so it's apropos that we discuss it now. So this is also options expiration week, but it's more important than that. It's quadruple witching options expiration week. And what does that mean? That means that four asset classes are expiring. Options are expiring. That means that there's a lot of rebalancing that goes on amongst money managers, amongst the investment community. So think about it for a moment. The market's been up since December a whole lot. No matter what anybody owned, it's been up a lot since December. We have rebalancing going on. That's likely some of what was going on last week. 
I don't know that. I'm just saying it's in the conversation. It fits the conversation. Don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. We'll go with that for now. Doesn't really matter what the reason we were down last week. You know that I believe that. So that was more of a joke than anything else. In fact, it was a complete joke. But what's not a joke is there can be more and will be more rebalancing going on between now and let's say Friday around noontime. So what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. We can't derive any information from just knowing that that's going to take place. But since we're discussing the next day and a half, couple of days of trading, let's go down to an hourly chart and see what we have. We have a gap. That was the last breakout. Could we come down to fill that gap? We could. Could we also find support at 280.40? We could. That's roughly another dollar lower from where we closed today, maybe a little less. So we certainly could come down a little bit, and it would not be out of the ordinary. Could we also fill the gap down here and still close the week above 280.40 up in this neighborhood? Absolutely we can. Therefore, this isn't out of the question. It's not abnormal. This would be abnormal. It's unlikely that we run down, fill this gap, and close the week above 280.40. It's possible, it's just not probable. So knowing that there may be some rebalancing going on that can jerk the market around a little bit, it's just something to keep in the back of your mind, nothing we trade directly from, but something that we should know about just so we have an awareness. Keep this in mind, and we've done this before, but this is really just as a reminder and for some folks that are just here recently or newer folks that are here. So these are important, right? We can all agree that the market, it's not me, the market is telling us that those pivots or those price levels or that price level right around 280.40. 280.40 is important for another reason, but these pivots happen to be around the same area. The market's telling us that price level's important. Here we go again. So we have another set of important numbers right around the same area. Important activity of the market right around important numbers. And here we are there again. So what I do want to stress is that while we certainly can fail, I'm aware of that. Everybody's aware of that. The market can always fail. But what we didn't do when had the opportunity... The market could have already failed last week when we started to go lower. We didn't fail. We didn't even fill the gap where I was sitting, waiting with bated breath with orders in hand. We didn't even get down there. And here the market is attempting to bust through the highs once again. Is that bullish or bearish behavior? That's bullish behavior. Regardless of what happens tomorrow, overnight, next week, that's bullish behavior. The way I've been looking at it, one of the scenarios that we mapped out a week or so ago was that the market can pull back a little bit, wind up, and use this as a launch pad one more time for higher prices. If we do that, A, there's a lot of room on the upside to make a lot of money. B, it's going to set up a tremendous trade on the short side, but later on. So either way, we're going to win. If the market gets sucked up in a vacuum scenario, busting through the high from the fourth, gets sucked up to higher prices, that's a melt up, that's a vacuum. We can make money on the way up. If the market fails here, we know it's a failure. 
I know the numbers where the failure is pretty much set in stone. We don't have to discuss those right now. And the third scenario, or the third way we win is, if the market does go up in a melt-up scenario, if we can get time to match up with price, it's going to produce a whopper of a short trade. So we're ready for whichever development occurs. The IWM, my favorite market-leading indicator. Now, we have a laggard on our hands. So the IWM was only up about one-half of 1%. The SPY was up about eight-tenths of 1%. So it does not have relative strength. In fact, it has relative weakness. All we did today was go into what? The number that we expected to. We put it up there at 155.70. The 20-period moving average came in at 155.64. We had a breakdown candle high, and the high today happened to be 155.73, I believe. Yeah, on high, 155.73. And I know there were a handful of traders out there that did take advantage of that when it happened. It was in the later part of the morning. You can see here on the 10-minute chart, we ran right up there. The market was rejected. It wasn't so much about that specific number in particular. We talked about it yesterday. It was a combination of the 20-period moving average and the breakdown candle high, and the market was rejected from that number, from that price area, and that was expected market behavior. That's normal garden variety market behavior. We talk about it all the time you're going to get at minimum of at least some kind of reaction from a price like that. And you can even use the 80-20 rule, only flip it around. 80% of the time it's going to work, 20% of the time it's not going to work. More importantly to the bigger picture, what do we have? We have a market that ran into the 20-period moving average and hasn't been able to get through it just yet. The market has to get above today's high. It has to do that to have any kind of chance whatsoever to play catch up with the SPY and the triple Qs, which we'll get to in a moment. Otherwise, it's a lagging indicator. It is a puzzle piece. It's still on the table. It's been on the table. Now, just food for thought, right? We're just planning for the future. You never know what's exactly going to happen in the future, but you like to think about it. You like to plan out what might happen someday. Well, what might happen someday is we might get above this breakdown candle high. However, what happens if we do have the melt-up in the S&P 500 and the Qs and all that other stuff? And what happens if we don't really make a new high in the IWM on a closing basis? That would be ominous across all the markets. We have no idea whether something like that will or will not develop. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Might as well take a look over at the VIX. We haven't looked at it in a while. You can see it's in a downtrend. It's weak. What I do notice today was the VIX is only down about 2.5%. I'm not sure we can read anything into that or not, but with the S&P up 20 handles, about 7 tenths of 1%, I would think the VIX might be down a little bit more. I'm not reading into it. I'm just bringing it to our attention. Here's what I do want to say. If, in fact... The market has a melt-up, therefore the VIX would have a meltdown at the same time. What's that area that we like to look at buying the VIX? Down sub-12, 1150. Sub-12, we're going to start to get interested in the VIX. I'm not saying short the VIX. I'm not saying buy the VIX here. I'm just bringing it up for discussion. 
I would have thought the VIX might be down a little bit more today, especially if we're going to get some more momentum on the upside in the stock market. So it may be a puzzle piece. I'm not sure it's on the table yet. I'm going to look a little bit closer. Even when you look at the hourly chart of the VIX, it's in a downtrend, and you can see in the last candle of the day, really collapsed in terms of volatility. So it is in a downtrend, continues lower. That's something positive for the stock market. I think that's the takeaway from the VIX. I'm looking at a series of other time frames simultaneously, and I just don't see anywhere whatsoever that would be bullish for the VIX right here, right now. So as an example, even if I just brought up a 120-minute chart, it's going to look like this. Unless it just flipped around and turned around, it's going lower. That's at least what the chart is indicating. Let's take a detour for a second and talk about Boeing. So Boeing's in the news today. They have a series of tragic events in terms of the plane crashes, and obviously they're caught in the middle. It's their airplane. So we all know the news by now. The specific airliner in question got grounded, but what I want to talk about is the Boeing stock and what it did today, and I want to point something out. I think this is a fantastic lesson. And by the way, it is a little bit strange we keep talking about Boeing, but this isn't the same conversation. This one's different. So Boeing is dropping like a stone. I'm waiting for Boeing. You can see in the left corner of the screen, peeking out from the bottom, 363. That's what I was looking for. We never got there. It wasn't a magic number. I'm going to show you where I came up with it a little bit later, but let's set the stage for what's going on. So Boeing's getting killed at the time. It's been getting killed. I once again get left at the altar. The low here in Boeing was 360. Let me see. The low here was 363.33. I had an order at 363 on the button. I actually thought it would spike through it by a little bit, but there's always a spread in a stock like Boeing. So that was my order. I never got filled, but somebody else got filled. So here's where I get to embarrass John a little bit, but here's the real deal. John's been doing fantastic. John emails me on a regular basis, and I know he's doing fantastic. John, you misspelled Boeing, but you're forgiven. You made money on the trade. Who cares? We call that, instead of the big fat round number, we call that the fat finger. So John says, not sure if he had an eye on Boeing. Of course I had an eye on Boeing. Talk about flushing traders out. And that's exactly what they did. So put the news aside for a second. They flushed out traders. Think technicals. As we're going through this, he obviously states that this one had real news, which it did, but also how here's a strong example of how the news is 99% nothing to do with time and price. It was like clockwork. CNBC and investing.com alerts I received went like this. 2.20, Canada makes an announcement and they flush to 3.69. Around 2.30 p.m., they come out with news about Florida. That was the shutting down of the Fort Lauderdale airport, not the airport itself, but those planes are not allowed. Once the existing airliners land, they had shut down that airport from any existing flights on that model. They were canceled. So that, and then another flush, 263.33. That was the number. That was the heartbreaker for me. That was the low. And then we were off to the races. 305, they came out with news, Trump, crickets, unbelievable. The move was already finished. Forget the rest, you get the point. 
John did a fantastic job of A, identifying a stock that was in motion. It was on the move. So once something is identified as being on the move, we want to say, is there something that makes sense? Is there a price level that makes common sense based on everything I was taught where if I just turned off the TV, looked at the chart, I would say, this is an area where the stock should get a bounce. Let's take a look at what John was doing. And this is no secret. There's no secret in filling a gap. I'll explain why 363, because I see the 100 period moving average down there. The 100 period moving average was just below 363. A stock coming down like that, big stock in the headlines like that, the stock is 375 or $80. That's the same as a 35 or $40 stock going down a 30 or 40 or 50 cents more. And I don't mean from 363, I mean from 365, 366 or 7. 50 cents in a normal $50 stock equates to three and a half, four dollars in a stock like Boeing. So I'm looking for it to come into the moving average. They leave me at the altar. Who cares about me? Let's talk about John. What did John see? He saw a couple of things. Everything he saw was right out of the course. In fact, everything he saw said stone cold buy except one thing. And I want to go over that. Not that anything was wrong with the trade at the time, but I want to emphasize the risk. And it's not the headline risk. It's not the fact that Boeing was in the news. They're going to get through this issue one way or the other. Think about it in larger terms. Is that the mainstay of their fleet? Of course not. Are there airlines all around the world that have this as the mainstay of their fleet? No. So they'll fix the problem. As tragic as it is, this will pass and Boeing as a company will be fine. There may be some liability, but they have insurance for that. So we're not worried about that today. We're worried about the trade. Who got me off on that tangent? You had a gap. You had a breakout area. You had moving averages. You had a retracement. You have time on your side. All these things are right out of the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. Now, let's separate a couple of things. Is it normal that you found a lot of buyers when they filled the gap? Yes. However, remember, when the stock came down two days ago, they missed the gap, they rallied back up, and now they're coming back, they could have easily traded through it. That's one of the reasons why I had my order lower. That's also one of the reasons why I would have had a tight leash on the trade. Also, John mentioned and was well aware that he would have a tight leash on the trade. Even though we don't use the news to trade, we have to be aware that Boeing could certainly have another gap down tomorrow. It could have another 30, 40 point drop. We have to always be aware of that for a trade. That's fine. We're in the risk business. It was an area to take risk, but it was not the same trade had Monday come down and filled the gap. That was a different trade. Look at the type of rally you had from the near miss of the gap on Monday. Now that gap is not the same trade, not to say it doesn't work. It's just not the same trade. So just as a wrap on Boeing, we have to separate what's in the news, the technicals, Regardless of whatever the technicals are telling us, we always have to have a stop, meaning we have to know where we're going to exit stage left if we have to. 
And when you do this enough times and you do it for the right reasons, you're going to have situations where you do get filled on trades like these and you have a tremendous, tremendous rally on your hands. You see them on the gap trades. You see them on stocks on the move all the time. Let's get back to business. Over in the transportation department, what do we have? We have something very similar to the IWM, into the 20-period moving average, and we haven't got through it yet. I say yet because this is the first attempt. We came down a lot more than the other markets. The transports topped out before the other markets, so we know they're the canary in the coal mine. The question is, will they play some catch-up, and will we have a broad-based rally, or... Will they fail and drag down everything else with it? Will the IWM and the transports fail or will they play catch up? We don't know yet. These are the items that are on the table. These are both puzzle pieces. They're on the table. In fact, these are big ones. These are my favorite puzzle pieces always. They're on the table. Just because they're lagging doesn't mean they can't play catch up. This was a healthy pullback. It would not be out of the ordinary to see the transports get going a little bit. We had a healthy pullback with a tail into moving averages. If the market's going to get going, the transports will catch up. They may not catch up to the magnitude. We may have a similar situation on our hands like we described in the IWM, where maybe we get to the highs of recent and they can't get through, or maybe they just get through and fail. That's a possibility. I'm aware of that. I'm aware of all of these possibilities. We have to all be aware of all these possibilities. Right now, what's the bogey in the transports? Well, we have no choice. It has to be Monday's low. That's down by the moving averages. Closing down there, getting below that area, that's not going to be good. That's likely telling us something else is going on. And by the time that would happen, you've already got something else going on. What if you drill down a little farther and you say, well, what do we have on the hourly chart? Where's my bogey on the hourly chart? Well, you can see it's pretty obvious. The last breakout area will be the bogey on the hourly chart. So you don't want to see hourly closes below that zone right there. That would be unhealthy. That would put a crimp in the bull case. How about out in Silicon Valley? The triple Qs, what do we have and what the heck is 177.29, why is that on the chart? It'll be pretty obvious once I point it out. Since we're already on the hourly chart, what's the bogey in the queues? Well, we don't want to see below the last breakup candle low. That would be unhealthy for the bull case. Any hourly closes below the low of the last breakup candle, and this is the one I'm referring to right here, any close below there, we don't want to see that. That's not healthy for the bull case. That would hand the ball to the bears, and they would go down and fill the gap. Now, again, that's on a short-term basis, right? Everything I just said doesn't damage the bull case overall from the daily chart perspective. I'm just saying on this hourly chart, this sideways action that you see going on, that gets broken, that pattern gets broken if we close below the low of the last breakup candle. So I wanted to make sure we're all clear on that. If they come down and fill the gap tomorrow, we have a lot of rebalancing going on. We have that quadruple witching business going on. If that's what they have to do, so be it. We're interested in the Friday close for the bigger trade. And somebody always asks this, and it's a great question. What happens if they close Friday below that important number, and then all of a sudden, Monday morning, we wake up, and the market's running like a bat out of hell? Could that happen? Of course that could happen. It happens all the time. That's from 
the Trick Trap Fool and Frustrate crew. So now you can see where that 177.29 came from. That was simply the gap. We went up, we filled the gap, we pulled back. Doesn't that sound similar to the chart we went over a while ago where I said we went into the 20 period moving average, the breakdown candle high, and we pulled back. And that's going to happen like 80% of the time. It's the 80-20 rule only flipped around. Well, this is very similar. We went up, we filled the gap, we pulled back. It's not a tremendous pullback, but that's what happened. Just looking at what happened, let's just take it for what it is. There are times when you'll get in a trade like this and you'll end up top ticking a trade and you'll have a tremendous winning trade on your hands. There'll be other times where you get a little bit of a pullback. But the concept is when you hit an important number, you're going to get a reaction. What the market does at that important number tells you what's coming next usually. So if we have a tremendous reaction off that number, it's telling you that's a repellent. That's telling you the market's going to have a tough time getting through that number. But what happens if the market has what I'll call a soft touch of a number, and then we kind of banter back and forth? It's telling you the market wants to bust through that number. Most of the time, those are the two scenarios that you get, and most of the time, that's going to tell the tale. Is there anything technically wrong with this chart? Just because we filled the gap, does that mean we have to collapse? Do we have to go down? No, we don't have to go down. Think about it for a second. We came up and theoretically we made an attempt. It was a more of an attempt at these highs here than it was at the gap. But the concept is we wound up again and here we are at that gap. We don't have to stop at the gap. Just look at the chart and what does the chart on the daily chart tell you? It tells you we're above all the moving averages. It looks like we're breaking out. Why does it look like that? Because we're breaking out. If it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, it's probably a duck. If it looks like a breakout, it could fail. But generally speaking, when it looks like a breakout, it's a breakout. Down in the financial district, what do we have here? We have something that doesn't look like the triple Qs. This looks like the IWM, looks like the transports. So we have market indicating sectors, if you will. XLF, transports, small caps. These are all markets within the market. And they're telling a different tale. It's quite interesting. I don't have to recap the whole thing. It's the same as the IWM and it's the same as the transports. So this is something to file away in the back of our mind. You know why we do that? Because we're going to need this information later. I'm 100% sure. SMH. This is kind of a tweener. This is the exchange traded fund that tracks the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index. So when I say tweener, we're not breaking out to new highs like the Qs, but it doesn't look quite the same as the IWM, the transports, the XLF. And the SMH is generally a good proxy for the tech sector. So we have to take it seriously. It's above all the moving averages. It's bullish. It just hasn't broken out yet. It's not leading the Qs. The Qs are in advance of the SMH. There's one thing that I'll discuss about that, and I talk about this from time to time quite a bit. The fact they don't use the Qs all the time for a market-leading indicator really because of the top heaviness of the Qs. They have Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and others that are too top-heavy into the Qs. So it's top-heavy for, let's say, five to seven stocks, and it bothers me to use it as a proxy for a broader market. 
But what I do like to look at is the SMH for a proxy of the tech sector. And right here, we don't have a breakout in the market within the market. So that's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. I know this video is getting long in the tooth. We're going to wrap it pretty soon, as you can see from the time. But I'm making the video, so I don't know exactly how long it's going to last. You have an advantage on me. So the gold market came into the 20-period moving average, basically missing it by, I guess they would say, a smidgen from the world of cooking. It's a natural area of resistance, but that doesn't mean that's where we have to stop. I don't necessarily think this is where we have to stop. Members from inside the numbers were privy to the gold trade that we got into down here. I think we got in on this day on the 5th, if I'm not mistaken. At least that's when I got in. Or maybe it was the 4th. I'm not looking right now. Either way, it was down here, and here we are now. We know about this trade. We talk about this trade each night. The reason is because there were so many reasons for this trade. The risk-to-reward ratio was absolutely ridiculous. And now it's a risk-free opportunity because you can take some of the trade off, put the money in your pocket, and let the rest go. See how high it can go. You never know. I have an idea, but you never know. What have we been talking about with crude oil? Crude oil was bullish, was going to break out to the upside. It's breaking out to the upside. Where is it going? 59 to 60. I don't know if it gets to the big fat round number of 60 on the first shot. Sometimes they'll come up short, but either way, that's where we're headed. Destination 59 plus. Nobody should be surprised. And with that, I'm going to give it a wrap. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.